property taxes. They keep going up year after year, putting incredible pressure on Plano families. And there's no real relief in sight. The purpose of government is to protect our freedom, not to tax us out of our home. We talk with three Plano elected officials about what needs to be done and what you need to know before you vote in the next election. And for our Valentine to Plano, we introduce a real sweetheart. A lot of the animals that come in here have never known love. Meet Beth the Cat Lady, a hero to vulnerable animals in our community. And she's our Plano podcast character. Finally, as a resident of Plano, do you call yourself a Planoite or a Planonian? We listen in on the debate in our Plano curiosity. Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm your host, Tammy Hooker. And I'm producer Mary Jacobs. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside of Plano. And just outside of what you might expect. Property taxes. They're a political hot button and a source of real heartbreak for people in Plano and around the state of Texas. People are upset with their property taxes and they have every right because the fact of the matter is the property tax system in the state of Texas, it is broken. Property taxes are out of control. It's mathematically incontrovertible. If it's growing at 100%, my income is growing at 20%. I can't keep, I can't keep doing that. I, something's got to break. Nobody disagrees about this. The property tax system in Texas needs fixing. But how? As the Texas Tribune puts it, it's a hard policy problem and a harder political one. But who's willing to take this one on? Look at all those flyers you're getting in the mail from state legislative candidates for the next election, and you'll see promises about border protection, voter IDs, sanctuary cities, all important concerns. But for most of us in Plano, the issue that will impact our lives and our pocketbooks the most will come down to whether Austin can fix our property tax system at the next legislative session. I'm Missy Bender, and I'm president of the Plano ISD Board of Trustees. What you hear is, I don't like Robin Hood. Let's get rid of Robin Hood. Or, let's lower taxes. Or, let's um, pay teachers more. Those aren't really solutions. Van Taylor has listened to taxpayers, and they're feeling the pain. I'm Van Taylor. I am the state senator for Senate District 8. I am your state senator. Taylor served on the legislature's select committee on property tax reform and relief, which held hearings around the state of Texas. Normally, um, taxes is pretty dry stuff. These hearings were filled with emotion because people were talking about how they were literally being taxed out of their homes. Uh, we had a woman in Houston who was saying that her husband built the home that she lived in and the taxes had gone up so much that she had to, she was putting, she had just put the home up for sale. And the important thing to point out is it's not her school taxes that are doing that to her. It's her local taxes that are doing that to her because she has an over 65 exemption for school taxes. The purpose of government is to protect our freedom, not to tax us out of our home. So how to fix it? Here's one place you can start. Educate yourself. Understand exactly where your tax dollars are really going. In this episode, we bust some myths about property taxes and help you, our listeners, to ask the right questions when you go to candidate forums and then head to the polls. So let's dive in. Myth number one. 
Your property tax bill is dictated by the city of Plano. And when it goes up, you can blame Plano City Council. My name is Ron Kelly, and I'm the Deputy Mayor Pro Tem for the City of Plano. People truly don't understand how their property tax bill is calculated. They're under the impression that the city sets PISD taxes, uh, that we're in control. I wish we had that much authority, but we don't. There are four entities that make up our property tax bill. So we have the county, we have a county tax, we have a calling college, uh, they have to make a decision how much we're going to be taxed. And then there's PISD, which is the majority of our tax. And then there's the city, the city tax. I was always under the impression that my city was uh, uh, just overtaxing me. No one loves to pay taxes. I, I dove in and really studied about property taxes. Here's the thing. Plano City taxes account for only about 20% of your bill. More on that later. Next, myth number two. Taxes are going up because our local and state officials are raising tax rates. Guess what? They don't have to. Property values are climbing, especially in Collin County. So our tax bills have gone up and up as much as 100% in the last 10 years. The increase in appraisals, it's great that our homes are worth more, but that's increasing our taxes at an unsustainable rate. Even in Plano, where our tax rates have gone down two years in a row, you're still paying more every year because your home value is climbing. And while rising property values are a good thing, if you plan to stay in your home, an increasing home value won't pay for groceries. Here's where Van Taylor calls local officials to account. It really comes down to the way that we structured our property taxes, right? So we don't have an unsustainable rate of growth in the sales tax department. Why? Because sales taxes are tied to however much we consume. So the more we consume, the more sales taxes are, and it's tied very tightly. And so it's a, sustain it's a sustainable tax. Your gas tax is tied exactly to how many gallons of gasoline you buy. Um, the property taxes are tied to appraisals. And so if you have a big run-up in appraisals, which is what we've had over, you know, since, since the early 80s when rates have been dropping, you have a big run-up in taxes, even as the mill rate is the same. And so that's, the, that's, that's really what's created the problem is that the way that we've structured it by saying, hey, we're, you know, whatever the appraisal is, times some mill rate. And so the, 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 the city, the county has been able to say, I didn't change the mill rate. It's the appraisal that's doing this to you. That's, in my mind, disingenuous. Well, we have an unsustainable system because the appraisals keep going up and our incomes are not keeping up with those appraisals. The state can't keep going on this way it is destructive and it's and it hurts people's ability um, to, to, you know, to own a home, to live in their home. But that leads us to myth number three. Plano City taxes are unreasonably high compared to other cities. Here's Ron Kelly. People are angry about their taxes, but you've got to take a step back and you've got to look at what's going on here. It's so easy just to lay all of the blame on, on the city of Plano. If you look at the average price home in the city of Plano, it's about $350,000. Uh, that home is going to pay $1,321 in city property taxes. But if you take that same valued home and move it to, uh, let's say, Fort Worth, in Fort Worth, you're going to pay $2,355 
and city property taxes. The same value home. Let's look at uh, uh, closer uh, to Plano, Richardson. Uh, that same valued home, you're going to pay $2,204 in city taxes. Again, we have, I believe, the best value in city property taxes, especially when you consider uh, what you're getting for your dollars. Our parks, our libraries, our rec centers. Keep in mind, Plano residents benefit from the presence of businesses, which pay about half of the city's total property tax income. Here's a breakdown of a typical Plano homeowner's tax bill. Now, if you break down the bill, if you look at PISD, it represents 66% of your bill. You look at your city taxes, it represents about 18 to 19% of your total bill. I've always believed in trying to fix a problem, uh, you, you tackle the largest problem, you go after it. And in my mind, the most significant issue that we have is school funding. So the biggest chunk of your property tax bill by far is the Plano ISD portion, which brings us to myth number four. All that money is going to the Plano school system, which gets more and more money every year. Guess what? We don't get all that money. Guess who does? The state gets a lot of that money. That's Missy Bender, president of the Plano ISD Board of Trustees. Elected officials in Austin like to talk about school districts being inefficient. School districts want to talk about the revenue sources that are generated from the property tax statement and the state sources of funding. Um, and how th that has changed over time. So we're talking apples and oranges. I think everyone would agree there's always opportunity to improve efficiencies, but that is not the that is not the only problem. That is not the thing that is going to fix school finance. Saying to school districts, you're not using money wisely, um, is a convenient excuse. It's not a solution. The state contribution to education used to be 50% in 2008. It is now, next year, going to be down to 39%. So who's making up the difference? The local taxpayer. So if you want to provide them relief, guess what? The state has to have a new revenue stream to make up the difference. And the only way to make up that difference uh, is, to, uh, is through property taxes. As I mentioned, 66% of your property tax bill is in PISD, but here is the dirty little secret. 27% of that 66% goes back to Austin through recapture, also known as Robin Hood. As Missy Bender said, one reason why our Plano ISD taxes are going up is because the state is contributing a smaller share of funding for public education and local school districts. If we want good schools, we have to make up the difference. Which brings us to myth number five. All that recapture money? It all goes to help students in less fortunate school districts, right? Wrong. A lot of people think that all of the money that is collected for your, for your ISD tax rate is retained locally or, number one, or even used in education, number two. And neither of those are true. PISD is going to send $155 million to Austin. 
That is that is unbelievable. And it's going to reach over 200 million here in the years to come. It's not me that's increasing your tax rate. It's actually a hidden tax rate. It's a hidden state property tax that's embedded inside of your ISD tax rate that you just don't recognize because it's invisible. That's right. A significant portion of your Plano ISD taxes is not going to our schools. It's not going to other schools. It's going to the state of Texas general fund. Not only is it a hidden tax, it's a highly progressive tax because it relies heavily on recapture money collected in more affluent school districts. Finally, here's myth number six. We can blame the Collin County Appraisal District for setting property values so high. Well, not really. The state actually requires them to assign values that are market-based. And when the state performs its audit every other year, if they are not market-based, the state then increases them to make them market-based. The reason they do that is because um, the comptroller's revenue estimate counts on that property value growth. And we know that is true because it is quoted in his revenue statement. People believe that the local appraisal districts have control over rising property values. You've probably heard that. But here's what they don't realize. The state actually requires that local appraisal districts appraise at market value. Right. So they come in, the state does, and performs an audit on the appraisal district every other year. And if that appraisal district is found to not have its values at market value, then they must correct that. This happened in Tarrant County recently, where it was not assigning a market value. The state came in and chose to reassign it. Increase the values. You know, this rhetoric, I'll call it rhetoric, or this commentary that we hear in the governor's recent conversation about this, um, that local appraisal districts are the bad guys, okay? When in fact, the comptroller's biennial revenue estimate counts on property value growth. I guess the, the fallacy is that locally, there's some sort of pressure to move these values up in order to increase local tax base and, and local uh, taxes collected, when in fact, it's the state that's requiring it to happen. That is how the system functions. There isn't a problem necessarily that you have appraisals going up. I mean, that, that, that is, I don't want to say that that is a bad thing. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing that your, you know, your net worth is going up because your home is more valuable. That's a good thing. The, the problem is, is that we have tied taxes to a mill rate and the elected officials are able to, you know, pull the, the trick I was talking about earlier where they say, well, I've, raised, I've lowered your mill rate seven times in the last 10 years. Say, but, but your taxpayers are writing a check that is 100% bigger than the check they wrote 10 years ago. Haven't you increased their taxes? And then the response is, no, I haven't increased their taxes. I've cut it seven times in 10 years. But their rate is higher. And at the end of the day, what we hear about as taxpayers is how big a check am I writing? So what to do? To us, this seems like a no-brainer. Demand transparency, or taxparency as it's called. Missy Bender has championed this idea that at the very least, 
When Plano homeowners pay their tax bills, they deserve to know where the tax money is going. We had legislation related to that. Um, it did not make it all the way through the legislature, though. Filed a tax transfer bill. Not only did I file it, I got a hearing. Not only got a hearing, I got it out of committee. Not only got it out of committee, but it was unanimously passed out of the Senate. Didn't go anywhere in the House. We decided we were going to communicate anyway. So we sent out a postcard to every taxpayer. We tried to time it with the receipt, the homeowner's receipt of their tax bill, so they could put the two together and go, well, wow, this is not something I knew about. And they could begin to ask some questions. That's really all we're trying to do is to say, we want to inform you about something that we don't think you know about. And we think you'd like to know about it. And if you knew about it, it would help you to understand the pressure um, and the challenges related to your ISD lowering your tax rate. Clearly, I'm a believer in transparency. What PISD wants to do is put it on the bill itself. I certainly agree with that. And so did all my colleagues in the Senate. So how exactly should the Texas property tax system be reformed? We'd need another hour to explore the options meaningfully. But let's look at one approach that's under consideration. Pass state laws limiting the ability of local county, and special purpose districts to raise taxes without voter approval. Here's Van Taylor. Over the past decade, school taxes have grown 38%. Median income's gone up 18%. You know, the state budget's gone up by a third about. But, but you know, special purpose districts in that same decade have gone up 100%. So if one's going 100%, and I realize it's smaller, but it's getting bigger. And that's, that's the issue. That's the worry is that, hey, this is unsustainable. We cannot keep growing this fast. We've got to do something to rein in the rate of growth of these city, county, special purpose districts because it's unsustainable. It's, it's not their school taxes that's causing them to lose their home because this person is 85 years old. They've had an over 65 exemption for 20 years. They're losing their home not because, not because of, city, of school taxes. They're losing their home because of city, county, special purpose taxes. Those are the taxes that are driving these people out of their homes. This is a state comment that you have an unsustainable rate of growth. When I say the rate of growth of city, county, special purpose districts growing 70 to 100% over a decade, that is unsustainable. We cannot keep doing this. No one disagrees with that sentence. That, 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 that is, I mean, there is consensus on that point. The hearings, I will say, I, I've never seen a bigger split between local elected officials and the people. The people 98% of the people coming to testify said, I'm losing my home, I need taxes to slow down, or I can't afford, these increases are destroying my business. You know, I own a hotel and the tax increases are destroying my ability to own this hotel um, or, or what have you. So, so you're hearing the taxpayers are of literally of one mind. The elected officials, on the other hand, almost all, probably 80, 90%, said, we want to be able to continue to grow taxes. We don't want to have any breaks. We don't want any restrictions on that. And what we're trying to do is, is, is lower the rate of growth. And by doing that, we're taking what is known as the effective tax rate. Effective tax rate really means no new taxes rate. And taking that and, and saying, well, if, it, if you go over 8%, right now the law is if it goes over 8% over the effective tax, over the no new taxes rate, you've got to go to the voters and get permission. This is, and we in the Senate um, said it needs to be 4%. 
Um, and so slowing the rate of growth, making it sustainable. It's hard to argue with let the voters decide. But keep in mind that Taylor is looking at the statewide picture because so much of Plano ISD's tax collections go back to the state through recapture. The fact is, for Plano citizens, our city, county, and local taxes are not the biggest source of our pain. And when people say, you know, my taxes are taxing me out of my home, they're not really talking about their county tax or their city tax. They're really talking about the ISD tax because it's the biggest portion. But did they address that? No. It's a beautiful scheme. Look at your tax bill. 66% of your bill is for school funding. 66%. That's where the growth is. Uh, my own personal taxes. I, I share this with people. Uh, so this year, and my property tax, I have a spreadsheet where I track this. Uh, my city taxes went up $7.70 per month. My PISD taxes went up $40.42 uh, per month. Tell me where the growth is. You need to attack where the largest growth is. The answer to this problem is complicated. And only a forensic accountant could get to the real truth. But there are some questions you can pose to the candidates for state legislature to gauge whether they're serious about tackling the problem or simply kicking the can down the road again. Ask, does the problem boil down to too much spending by our school systems, local governments, and taxing entities? Or is the real problem the lack of a sustainable revenue stream? Our guests offered other good questions to ask. Are you going to represent the people? Or are you going to represent these you know, government entities that want to keep growing at, as fast as they can? And so, and they, unfortunately, they really, those are sort of the two camps. Are you committed to comprehensive property tax reform? It's highway robbery in my mind. It's unfair. Are you willing to do what it takes to fix this problem if it costs you getting reelected. Are you enjoying this episode of Plano Podcast? If so, you can join our growing list of patrons. Visit planopodcast.com and click on the support tab for more information. Now, back to the show. You might say that solving the tax problem in Austin is like herding cats. We found a lady who's adept at herding real cats and dogs and the occasional tarantula. She's our Plano podcast character. My name is Beth Felker, and I've actually been with Plano Animal Services for about nine years. Beth Felker volunteers at the shelter, fosters animals awaiting adoption in her home, and trains other people who volunteer to foster. Fostering means that um, you take an animal with a specific need home that the shelter doesn't have the time to care for. Usually it's an animal that's very young um, or an animal that's underweight or an animal that is ill. Um, those are very intensive as far as hours and hands-on time. There's just not enough animal control officers to take care of them. I started fostering in in 1994 when I was in graduate school and honestly it's probably I've over a thousand animals I've fostered. 
If you're wondering, Beth does have a day job. By trade, um, other than a crazy cat lady, I teach biology. <laughs> so I'm an entomologist, which means I studied insects in college. I know, I know. So I have a good collection of fleas and ticks from working with all of my animals. <laughs> but her fostering keeps her busy in her spare time and then some. I volunteered at this shelter over 2,500 hours last year, and most of that is fostering. Unfortunately, there is a huge need for fosters of kitties and puppies, especially starting within the next couple of weeks as it starts to warm up. We'll start to see animals breeding more often, and until people spay and neuter more prevalently, that's going to continue. And that's where I step in, and that's kind of where my passion is, is to get these itty-bitty babies out of the shelter so that the animal control officers can focus on the adults. And um, when the babies are grown up, we bring them back and they get adopted. If you hear barking in the background, that's because we interviewed Beth at the Plano Animal Shelter. And for those occasional audio glitches, we can thank a pregnant cat named Miss Cleo, who really enjoyed walking across my keyboard. Miss Cleo is available for adoption and she is techno savvy, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. <laughs> Beth and her husband have five pets of their own. Three cats, a dog, and a tarantula, all of them found through fostering. The couple has a setup that allows them to safely bring a steady flow of foster animals through their home. So I have a very um, patient husband that um, in actually enables me to do this. Um, we have a foster room upstairs that is dedicated to just the animals that come to our house. Sometimes the animals are sick. Um, and just sometimes they're scared. So we have a quiet room upstairs where there's music and um, my husband built me a cat super highway. So it's this wooden railing that goes all along the ceiling that they can climb up and jump and swing and play and watch squirrels and watch birds and build their confidence back up. If you'd like to be a sweetheart too, there are lots of ways you can help. You can donate items. Kitten wet food, puppy wet food, um, kitten milk replacement, and then uh, puppy milk replacement. We always need that. Always. Or you can adopt an animal like the techno-savvy Miss Cleo. Or you can join the team of volunteers who foster animals. Please contact me. Um, go to the uh, Plano Animal uh, Shelter website and then just go sign up to um, volunteer. And then the city of Plano will contact you. You'll do a short little interview with the city of Plano and then they'll send me to you. And we'll do a um, tour of the shelter. We'll find out what you're interested in, what your heart is telling you to foster, and um, we'll get you something to take care of. The best gift that you could give your loved one is fostering. It's a true way to show your heart. We thought Beth's story was the perfect Valentine for February because it's a love story. The animals love her and she loves what she does. A lot of the animals that come in here have never known love. So a really important part about fostering is teaching animals that people are good. I love it. It's, it's what rejuvenates me. Like I love my job, my teaching job, but this is my way to give back and then my way to give back to myself. Thank you, Beth, for all the love you give to the animals in Plano. Finally, for our tale of curiosity, we learned a new word, demonym. That's the term that describes a resident of a particular place. 
So the demonym for Denzians of the Big Apple is New Yorkers. Citizens of Boston are Bostonians. And our neighbors to the south, they're Dallasites. So what's the demonym for Plano residents? We came across a debate on Facebook. My name is Curtis Garrison, and I live in Plano. Curtis wanted to know the correct demonym for a new Facebook page that he's starting. I was wondering if you were a Planoite or a Planonian. Most said Planoite. But it turns out a handful of longtime residents insist they're Planonians. I believe it was just a teacher that was very uh, passionate about using Planonian. It kind of stuck with a group of people. Planonian is the name of the Plano Senior High School's yearbook. And some recalled a past yearbook advisor, a Ms. Skaggs, who declared Planonian as the only proper way to refer to Plano people. So which won the day? Well, when it came to choosing between Planoite and Planonian, we went with Planoite. You can find links to Curtis's new Planoite page in our episode resources. And so, Planoites or Planonians or whatever you want to call yourself, Thank you for listening to this episode of Plano Podcast. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. Remember to support us on Patreon and to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Send your feedback, ideas, and comments our way. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time. 